0: My special guest today is a superb actor who was a welcome addition to the Bill lineup at a time of major change for the programme. Since then, he's enjoyed a highly celebrated film career both in front of and behind the camera, and I can't wait to hear about his upcoming film roles. Ladies and gents, Riley's back! Gary Grant, welcome to The Bill Podcast.
1: Oh, uh, that's very kind of you, man. What a nice introduction.
0: <laughs> oh, it's very true. I mean, I, I watched uh, just before we were chatting the Enemy Lines trailer. That's like a big budget war movie. So this is exciting.
1: Yeah, that was a, that was a fun one. I haven't seen it yet. I've seen as much as you've seen. I've seen the trailer. And because of the way, you know, because of the unfortunate situation we're all in, the premiere has been put back. If they have one at all now, because... Yeah, it's like a weird concept to, for it to be on Apple TV for months and then have a premiere. But yeah, it was real good fun to do.
0: Yeah. So, how did it come about and how, where were you filming? Whereabouts were you based and how long were you out there?
1: Enemy Lines sort of came out of nowhere for, I say, what it did to me. Like, my manager, Natalie, um, had been contacting me for sporadically for a few weeks saying, can we have footage from this film? Have you got footage from that film? And then, um, She called me December 2018 and just said, I need you to uh, be available tomorrow for a interview on Skype with the director of this film tomorrow, Um, which I was, and we did. And the next thing I know, I got called and I was booked and I was off to Belarus two weeks later and I was there for the next
0: five weeks, six weeks, something like that. Wow. And it's like a proper big-budget movie, isn't it? You know, it's like you've got tanks, and I think there's a shot of you throwing a grenade in the trailer, if I'm right, you know? This is action-packed stuff. There, There is, and there are a
1: couple of actors from that film that will enjoy that statement, given the <laughs> outtakes of me unsuccessfully throwing that grenade that happened previously to the one that somehow made the trailer. Hi, hi Dan. How, Tom? How are you? Um <laughs> Being on that set was really uh, quite something when you're walking through these buildings and, so, and everything that's been built for the film. In terms of scale, it was
0: quite something to be around. And uh, you've got another movie coming up, Election Night.
1: Yes, I do. That's one. So I came back from Belarus uh, to go to Paris and for Paris to here. And I, went, I didn't go home. I went straight to rehearsal for that on that day. So it was quite a jump because it's a very, very different film. That's a that's a British film. It's a, it's a home invasion movie. Wow. And I haven't seen that either. But yeah, no, it's very it's it's very lovely. It's very it's very nice that they're happening.
0: Well it sounds like a good year and what, what is a notoriously difficult business, you know, but you know, to, to make one movie a year is a you know, cool thing, but to have two, you know, back to back.
1: Yeah, it was it was all right. Um it was all right, and and while we're on it, I'm gonna I'm 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 sorry to be an actory dick here, but I'm gonna plug the third one that's coming yes, out. Yes, please. This is called I Made This for You. It's another British film, but it's a very, it's just a very beautiful film made by some quite brilliant filmmakers. It's about male suicide, and it's just very tastefully and sort of uh, with real deference. It's just a
0: I I I'm really proud of that one as well. I've seen a lovely uh, black and white trailer for that. Is it, you're, yeah. you're in your flat, and your friends. Are oh, you saw just, that? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, powerful stuff, from what I've seen, you know. And because I did, you guys do a Q and A for it as well. I think I've seen on on Twitter. Yes, yeah,
1: so that one had industry screenings leading up to its distribution because it began on a small budget, um, and that I think is building. I don't know exactly what's happening now, but you know. Um, so we I we did a bunch of cinemas around the country. Yeah.
0: Wow and i've got to ask you about the glass man cuz that's the clip i've seen and i loved it <laughs> i showed it to my wife the next morning for anyone well perhaps you set the scene for anyone who hasn't seen the scene i'm i'm talking about here maybe set the scene and, uh, and then i'll say how cool it was <laughs> there was something about that
1: scene that that's funny enough the same filmmakers that made i made this for you they they very generously had me back yeah, that, that, that scene is an interesting one. Andy Lyman's a brilliant actor, so he was easy to work with. But sort of deciding with the director, Christian Solomon, who's, who's just a tremendously brilliant artist, it, it's sort of more interesting in a weird way more threatening. This is going to make no sense to anyone listening, I guess, um, to have a, a scene where you mug someone and you like have all that violence without there being any violence whatsoever, it all being just smiling intent it was a brave choice because it's sort of, when you put it like that, it, it could have come out as a nonsense. Like, but it just, I don't know. I just, it worked, I think.
0: Oh, it does. It's a superb scene because like I, I said to my wife, I said, I'd have just given him my watch, <laughs> you know, no, no, <laughs> no, no questions asked, but I mean, you it's a knockout performance by you. I was so impressed watching it. Every, every now and then when I'm interviewing people for this podcast, I'm lucky. I get to see a, a, a completely different, performance by them that just makes me go yes and for me that that was it i was so in, super impressed by that performance oh, thanks by you. man yeah it's um
1: yeah I, I, I quite like that scene i think that we, we did all right there good film too last man
0: and who are your like film heroes because like you're so uh, in a in a hugely complimentary way so understated and i think you were way ahead of your game when you joined the bill because you have a very filmic relationship with the camera and like what is now the sort of desired method of acting. I felt like you were way ahead of your game 20 years ago playing this very subtle, huge air of mystery about you, you know? You're like quietly watching and taking everything in and like it's, it's a super performance.
1: I'm a, I'm a great believer in doing your work before you get to set in terms of building the character so you understand who you are and why you're there, and so you can do as little as possible because you know why you're there, you, you, you know how you're supposed to feel and all that type of stuff, so you've sort of done that work at home. And so I'm a great believer in film that less is more. I think anything theatrical looks exactly that, theatrical, unless it's a role that calls for that, but generally speaking, and it's interesting that you refer it to the time in the bill because I think I, I looked back, you know when they rerun the show, yeah, on channel 5068. <laughs> I I saw a couple of them and I watched them and I I was what I found that I, I was slightly bored watching myself. Really? And I wondered if if I'd sort of got and I, and now I think it's because I didn't understand certain things like frame size and things at the time. I was playing it at that small level regardless of the technical position it was in. Right. So right. often it would get what things i was doing what i was hopefully doing were getting lost because i was imagining it was really close on me but actually it was quite a middle wide shot which wasn't picking up any subtlety mm. so it just looked like i was just sort of there
0: no I, I i think it was very realistic uh like i it's a great line you it's my favorite riley line you track your brother down to a pub and he says what well, you found me and you just say i'm a detective <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing you justice at all with my recreation of that line, but you just say it like so coolly, but matter of fact, like I'm a detective. <laughs> of course, I found you. You know, yeah, but yeah, you smashed it. I, I uh... tell us how how that came along because you had a very quick start in your career, didn't you? From like pretty much instantly a regular in Hollyoaks right from the off. So how did it all begin for you? I was a regular in Hollyoaks
1: three months after I left the bar I was working in. Wow. So, and that wasn't because I had a gig. That was to try and make it. I'd saved up money.
0: Yeah.
1: I had the idea of becoming that. I did a couple of short courses and went to an audition um, that my agent sent me to. It's one of those stories that I'm sure you've heard from actors for a, a thousand times. I went to this to audition for it and it was a hotel corridor. And I swear, there must have been 300 guys there. Wow. Like, some of them looked like they'd been there for a month. They just... like. <laughs> Just sat against the wall, turning grey. As like, I'm not, <laughs> and I just thought, what's the point? Like they know what they're doing. There's so many. I very nearly just turned around and just went, go back to work for God's sake. But I decided to wait around, and I went in, and uh, my manager at the time called me and said, right, you have to go to Liverpool now. And there were six of us, so we went to Liverpool with the six record, and it was booked. But you know. A weird thing about that, because I've come from a sort of very working class background and um, had that sort of sense of imposter syndrome. Like, you're allowed in, but I'm not. Okay. And I genuinely believe that it was my stupidity that got me that job. (laughs) Really? Wow. Wow. And the reason for that is through the the audition at the hotel, the trip to Liverpool, the train back, all this stuff, I 100% believe that whoever got the job was going to do the page that I'd been given as an audition piece in the show. I had no clue whatsoever it was for a contract. If I'd have known that, my ego would never let me get it. My ego could just about stretch to this page. (laughs) I could do that and we could get the boys in the pub and I'm going to be the bad boy for the night. It's just because I didn't know that I, I, I absolutely believed that that's how I got that, just through my own complete ignorance. Wow. Um, That I wasn't overawed by it because it was just within range. And yeah, and before I knew it, I was living in Liverpool and it sort of went from there. And I fell to pieces many times on the job because I didn't know what I was doing. All the sort of TV technicality that, you know, everyone else is adept at. I was never taught that stuff. It was really fun, but rough at the same time.
0: Wow. I mean, what was the the telly you grew up watching? and, And do you remember when you first thought, I'd love to do that? I watched a show that I eventually ended up actually booking a second
1: series of, and then the second series got canned, a BBC Two show called Buried, a prison drama. It was really, sort of as you were saying earlier, it was was very subtle, it was very filmic, and I just found myself just being completely mesmerised by it. But I was also one of them. If I walked down the street and saw... You might be the same. If I walked down the street and saw a film crew shooting something outside... You'd go and there's like five hundred people to gather around to watch. Yeah. Four yeah. hours later, there's two of us left. Yeah, yeah. Everyone else is gone. What? They're just doing the same thing over. <laughs> I'm bored, and they leave. But I was transfixed and completely um, taken in and, and, and mesmerized by it the whole time. Like it just, I don't know why it just made sense. The artistry of it, the love of repetition and finding new moments. were that even before I knew even why I liked it, I just I, I did, and. And I guess, uh, for whatever reason, and then ended up doing it. But yeah, so that's how I ended up in Hollyoaks. You're right, straight away.
0: I love it. And pretty soon after Hollyoaks, within a year, you're joining the bill.
1: Yeah, was well, so I was there for about six or eight months, something like that. I then went, I remember this, because it was so overwhelming. I then went off to my first film. Then I did a run at the Royal Court. Then I came out of that, went straight to this Channel 4 film, and while I was in that, I got the call from the bill saying I was doing that, doing that. Wow. And it all just felt like a blur, and it was really overwhelming, and really lucky, and it was great.
0: Wow. It's interesting, the Royal Court has a very long history with the bill. Is it really? That's where Mark Wingate was performing when he was cast. Oh, really? The same with Eric Richard, was doing a play with John Salthouse, and the The bill casting, people went to see that, got them from there. Um, A lot of the crew on the bill actually were working at the Royal Court at the time because they wanted people that kind of fit the way theatre was made documentary style. They thought, well, let's get people working in the theatre, doing gritty theatre. So what's special about the Royal Court? I've never I've never seen a show there, but I've heard so much about it now for doing innovative productions.
1: I don't know, like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that it had a correlation between the show and the Royal Court. The Royal Court itself is a, is a sort of independent place. It, do, it does a lot of new writing. I mean, I, I'm talking, you know, like a thousand years ago when I was there, just <laughs> before I joined the bill. But I was doing a premier run of a Jim Cartwright play there. And if you know Jim Cartwright, Road and Little yeah. Voice, all that stuff, it was new writing again. And I think they are just re- historically are very good at picking up on plays that are innovative and interesting. They're not just, but not not in a way that some theatres just go for anything that seems edgy mm. and tends to just end up being a tiny bit wank. I don't know how much we're supposed to swear. In no, it. that's
0: fine. That's great. That's fine. <laughs>
1: but, but actually picking the ones that have substance but are also uh, sort of innovative and new. Mm. I don't know how, because obviously they've got changes of personnel over the years, but they've somehow kept
0: that sort of philosophy. Well, it's interesting. One of the director's on your time on the bill was peter cregine who had been the very first director on the bill they coaxed him back to do some and uh, it's really interesting your era of the bill kind of went back it was a restart for the show wasn't it you guys all came in hot, brand new cid team and it was new millennium new start for the bill but they they got quite a few of the old hands who'd Nurtured the show right at the beginning to come back and direct behind the scenes as well. So,
1: well, he he, he was my favorite. Oh wow! Who you mentioned, Peter cuisine He was my favorite.
0: Oh wow! What 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 was he? I've met him, and a delightful man. What's he like as a director?
1: He's very very good. Like uh, even to this, he would never know this, but even if he even remembers doing this, the the depths we did, he, he I I learnt a huge amount just standing and watching the way he operated as a director. Um, And I still sort of call him into my memory occasionally when I think I'm doing too much. If I'm directing something and I'm overloading the actors with too much information, that it becomes a bit of a frequency jam. I think back to Peter and the way that he would give concise, short pieces of direction that would change a scene. Like my favorite example of this, I was doing a a scene with Mark. Remember Mark Burtis?
0: Oh, yeah, played your brother, yeah.
1: Yeah. Now he's just... Mark's one of them. I um, I haven't seen him since. Lovely dude. He was just very... He's just one of those people that he's just... You've got talent just running through him. Like, sort of head... It's just in him. Head to tail. You can't buy that. Mark Burtis was an exceptional... Yeah, really, really strong actor. Um, So we're doing this scene where... I'm showing him suspects that I think that he knows while he's taking a bath. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. You
1: know what I'm talking about? It's a great scene, yeah. <laughs> and I kind of get, I break into the bathroom, I'm showing, and we were playing it, um, I thought, quite well. I mean, we rehearsed it, doing it, the tension was good, the sort of seriousness of the situation was really good. And to my sort of uh, limited understanding at the time of what a scene should have, I thought we I thought we had it. And then Peter came in and just gave genuinely one of the best pieces of direction I've ever heard in my life to this day. With all the seriousness and all the repercussions that that character would have to go through if they got found out and all the sort of criminality of it, Peter said to Mark, just keep one thing in mind all the way through. Just remember, I'm having a bath here and I'm naked. (laughs) And it was just genius. It was just yeah. such a brilliant piece of direction because Mark was just brilliant anyway. But that just added that underlying truth of the whole thing.
0: Yeah. That
1: yeah. That we'd sort of forgotten the environment a little bit. He was right. Wow. Um. And it was so simple. And I think at that time, if I was director, I would have come in and like way overcomplicated it. You know, you need to think about this and remember that this happened and da 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 da. da. He just he, he knew we had that bit, but we didn't have. The more mundane underlying truth of it, so he gave us that, and I just think that was so simple and one of the best pieces of direction I've ever, I've ever had.
0: Oh, I love it. I mean, how on your radar was the show? Had you grown up watching it at all before you were joining it?
1: I, I, yeah, I, I have, I have quite strong visual memories of my mom ironing <laughs> while <Well>, the theme <laughs> tunes on over there. You know, yeah, that that combined audio visual reference, I can sort of hear it now. Um, so yeah, it was it was yeah we it was definitely something we watched not necessarily religiously but it, i would be surprised if we went two weeks without seeing an episode.
0: Wow! So uh, how did your mum react when you were in it? You know that must have been pretty something.
1: Yeah, I think she was as surprised as I was. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, yeah, the, again because there are these established characters that that you know very well. Obviously, people like Jeff. Yeah. And you know, and Mark and and just to be sort of jumping in amongst it again that imposter syndrome you feel like it's just the most obvious where's wally ever no. <laughs> who's the person in the, in that scene who shouldn't be there <laughs> and and that's sort of what it feels like particularly at that age to look at it. but it was great i mean like it was very exciting
0: yeah did it help the fact you were joining with like there were six of you joining for that very first episode did that help sort of that you you weren't the only new guy
1: Yes, I think so. I think it's weird. I think my... Because I, I listened to a little bit of your um, your podcast with Ben. Yeah. And with Steve. And I joined at the same time as Steve and roughly the same time as Ben, as I remember. And yeah. I think my my sort of introduction to it was a little bit different. Because mine was... I had a great time. It was like magic. I, did, I, I, I didn't I did know what I'd done to deserve this much luck. But I just was hoping to not get found out. Um, right. But I was a, quite a non-joiner. I didn't like going to group things. So I was. it was all sort of... I was doing things very much on my own and coming back to my old mates and and enjoying it with them. Um, So I didn't necessarily um, sort of jump into, and I still don't now, even these days, jump into, like, the social aspect of of the group that was already established. But because there were a few of us joining together, yeah, I got to know people relatively well, like Jed, Simmons, Natalie... Um, Steve we love and and all them guys I think it probably was helpful because we could refer to each other if people were saying things you know when it came out and there was the, you know in the newspapers were doing things in magazines or people on forums saying they liked us or they hated us then it wasn't just you it was other people you could go and laugh about it with
0: and were, were you aware of that at the time that kind of forum chat and because it was a big Big change of the show, and a lot of the old guard had just gone. and You've all got that tough job of being the new face of Sun Hill CID, you know. So,
1: um, we were aware of it. I'm pretty like, I'm fairly sure if, if my memory serves me correctly, I'm so sure that the gen, the sort of hardcore built fans, the ultras, yeah, yeah the, yeah, the sort of ultra, and there are some. I think they sort of hated us, um, and I didn't blame them, I completely understood why they would. Because it's, it, you know, back when I was growing up, you're watching it, you're watching Tosh Lines, you're watching a play for today, <laughs> yeah, you're watching yeah. a self-contained story that has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and you can talk about, and it and it just, and it served that purpose, and it did it brilliantly, mm. like it just did it brilliantly, and then we came in, and interestingly, I learned this from after you contacted me, listening to you, yeah. I do not actually know this, that um, when we joined, that it did a lot good for the viewing figures.
0: Yes, it did, yeah.
1: I was really surprised to hear that.
0: Yeah, it saved the sh I mean, I remember watching these episodes at, at the time I grew up with a bill. You know, my mum and dad got me into it and, and I used to watch it with my nan and granddad. So similar to you, just happy memories of that shared experience of watching it. But I was like, well, 14 at the time. So I, I just remember like being really jealous of your hair, your curtains, like, you know, because that, was, <laughs> that like, was like, that was like, Curtain time, wasn't it? And like, like <laughs> you had that kind of cool, like Resident Evil Two thing going on, you know. Uh, it was, it was like you just looked great. So it was like, I want to. Those days really are finished. Yeah. There's no <laughs> way of making
1: curtain time sound cool now.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just like <laughs> anyone <laughs> under twenty-five listening going, "What? I, what?" <laughs> curtain time was never cool, man. <laughs> Yeah, no, the, 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 hair, the hair was a, another issue of consternation to, to those sort of hardcore Bill fans. And again, I got it. They, yeah, they wanted yeah. those tough, grizzled, tosh lines kind of characters. They didn't want this, like as they kept referring to me, I believe, as these like, boy band members right. coming in to try and get a different demographic to watch. But I guess that's on a business front what we were there for um i hope um because i think richard hanford is actually a smart dude yeah um i think that he as you say i think that he knew he had to do something mm. to rescue the show but he also tried to to do that thing to keep it up to date but try and retain some of the spirit yeah that it had before
0: and and i i think the good thing is uh, you know riley was a good copper as well so like and, and quite a nice guy like, he, he, he's, he's there to get the job done. Like, as as so many of the good, strong CID characters in the past have been, they don't get involved with the politics and all that shit. They're there to, to nick the villains, you know? Yeah. Uh, you've got some great scenes with Natalie Rolls when she's, like, she's screwing Tristan Sturrock and you know what she's doing and she knows that you know what you know, she's doing, yeah. and like, but you're just like... Should we get on with this? All those scenes in the you kept going back to the garden centre and like <laughs> yes, <the> she- yes, <laughs> <I remember>. yeah <laughs> yeah. Yes, know. my my my
1: day job was to walk behind Natalie quite a lot of the time. <laughs> that, that was that was it. Uh, another day walking behind Natalie. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember that stuff. I, I thought that, that those were well structured episodes.
0: I think. oh yeah, very much so. And like, the, I think you know the best one upon information received, which is the one in the bath, you know, you get top billing in that, you know, that's like, that must've been a really cool moment in a, in a young actor's career where like you're top of the credits on the bill.
1: Well, it all, it sort of all was. Yeah. It, uh, I mean, I didn't even know that, but it's, it's sort of really at that time, I mean, all of that stuff was like Hollyoaks that just felt bizarre and then going into a show as big as the bill with the viewing figures it had, not really know what to expect and yeah and then doing episodes where they, they front you out um, to lead and all those sort of things it was you know I mean this is coming from someone that 18 months before had daydreams about doing one episode of something ever where you got yeah. to be a main role Yeah, and then suddenly you're sort of you're in there six days a week so it was all a little bit extraordinary and
0: great. And how did it change? From presumably, you had that recognition point of view. Suddenly, you were getting recognised. What's that like? How do you adjust to that? Because there's no training for that, is there? There's no training for that, and um, it, it's
1: see that's one of those things, isn't it? Because I'm quite, I'm such a geek. I find I find these conversations really fascinating from a sort of psych point of view. Yeah, and I I, I can think of times when I really didn't behave very well. And I think what it was, was that I didn't know how to get off the pedestal that people put you on, and I also then didn't know how to behave on it. Does that make any sense at all? Yeah, yeah. And so you try and get off it, but, but people generally just sort of don't want you to get off it. They don't want you to be the guy that they meet from TV, they, you know, all that stuff. And then... How do you behave then? Are you supposed to act like a dick? Are you supposed to be overly nice? Are you supposed to... I mean, really, now I'm older, I recognise that you're just supposed to be a human being and yeah, yeah, yeah. crack on. Um, but at the time, I, I remember... like, And I didn't know what I was doing at the time. So, yeah, I mean, it caused some interesting things. And I see it in, in other actors I've worked with at the moment that I see that kind of thing where they are very well-known, very young, and maybe not behaving to the best of their ability, but I don't think the way they're behaving shows who they are. Uh This is such a garbled answer, but yeah. No, 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 so it very-
0: is, is it like... um Is it an actress' insecurity sort of coming to the surface, really? You know, so that... You know, it's, it's not a... I think people make the misconception that it's an ego thing, but it, it's actually... As, as I think you're saying it's like how, how am I how am I supposed to behave how do you want me to behave you know? yeah I was
1: exactly that I was talking to my friend Leanne about this just the other day
0: yeah the, it was that was the question how
1: are you supposed to behave and I never posed that question to myself and I and I and I, I just I, it's only looking back you go yeah I didn't know how to behave oh I guess so I behave like this and I behaved like this um, this is not to say that I was being a dickhead all the time I just remember certain occasions where I wish I could go back and just, and, and and not be a dick. Because, you know, in reality, you know, you're just doing a job that people liked. And that's a nice thing. Um, but yeah, so, but, but but I sort of like that question, I guess, is, is the point that, that there's nothing that sort of prepares you for it. And it has weird repercussions. Um, but I also really, really happily dislike anyone in the public eye that mums about it. Because if the worst part of your job is that people come up to you all day being nice to you, shut the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, just try doing £8 an hour on a crowded tube. If the, if that's, if the worst part of your day is that too many people are being nice to you, shut up. Yeah. Um, and so, and that, you know, that I think that too, that it, that it is interesting
0: and it is difficult in own little way, but really, if that's the tough part of your job, your job's all right. I suppose what's interesting for people starting out now is they've got the added pressure, which you didn't have of these and all the Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and how many followers have I got? That must add such an extra dimension.
1: Mate,
0: like, I tell you what, I tell you what that's done. That's
1: made sort of film and TV parties way less interesting than they used to be. Right. We're trying to think about, I was going to, one a while ago, I was sitting there with one of the actors going, why are part like these sort of sneaky hidden away parties like, why are they no, not riotous and interesting like they used to be? Because everyone's got cameras now, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's why, maybe everyone's just become more intelligent with the way they drink or more sedate or whatever. But I think it's that mm. then they're, they're just constantly on their guard. Um, so I think it's done that. And yeah, so in terms of social media, I heard you mention that in, in the one you were talking to. Was it Ben that you talked about that with?
0: Yeah, I think, um, similar to your good self, and and I I think the same when I look back. Like Ben wishes he could go back and maybe do some things. Well, he feels he would go back and stand up for himself more. He loved the fame bit. He he used to go out walking in his uniform to get recognised. I heard, that? I, I
1: heard that bit of the podcast, and you know what? I loved him for telling that story. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. God, dear, Let's not just sit. Whenever you do these interviews, it's always like loose women just saying the right thing all the time it was a lovely script and a love i loved him for that go on yeah. ben that's exactly those silly stories are what are the funders.
0: such a cool guy i loved talking to gary and this has very quickly become one of my favorite podcasts more gold dust to come in part two so stay tuned in the meantime stay home and stay safe bye for now